welcome back to MLEX's weekly podcast with the latest big themes in regulatory affairs as seen by MLEX's team of reporters around the globe. My name is James Paniki. I'm from MLEX's Asia-Pacific team, and it's great to have your company again this week. And there's no theme bigger than the laws and rules affecting big tech companies, in particular the Facebooks and the Googles of this world. MLEX's coverage over the past five years has pointed to a growing sense among lawmakers and observers in most jurisdictions that digital platforms have been under-regulated. Rightly or wrongly, policy initiatives are suggesting that the safeguards built into competition, consumer and privacy laws are no longer fit for purpose and that competition in new digital markets is being eroded by the platform's market power. These are the concerns underpinning a new regulatory drive in the European Union with the EU regulator, the European Commission, proposing a new tool to investigate digital markets as well as a raft of other initiatives. To walk us through these proposals are Lewis Crofts, MLEX's Editor-in-Chief, and Nicholas Hurst, our Chief Correspondent for EU Competition, and both of them join us from Brussels. Lewis, we'll get to this proposed onslaught of EU regulation in just a moment, but what's the problem the Commission is trying to solve here? The problem is really been building up for the last 10 years, which is how to tackle big tech. There's long been a theory that companies grow and then get toppled by the next generation. The obvious example being MySpace, which all the kids used and then none of the kids used. And overnight, Facebook and and, and the likes arise and topple um, the titans of yesteryear. But this isn't happening anymore. You've got a couple of companies, Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon, who sit astride large parts of the digital economy and that's what the commission is looking to tackle it's you know traditionally had uh, very very powerful antitrust tools which they've deployed causing great sums of fines and also great headlines in the newspapers against the likes of google but there's a feeling that the market is still entrenched that the we we the consumers are still um dependent on these large companies and so the commission needs to change tack I I accept that, but by the same token, Apple, Facebook and Google have been coming under greater regulatory scrutiny in Europe for quite some time. So is this really more of the same or does this mark a turning point of some sort? I think uh, for this commission, which is just starting its its five-year period, this marks the regulatory agenda for the next five years. So it is a turning point in regulatory terms. It's also a turning point because there's an admission that some of the regulatory attempts of the last five and ten years haven't brought about the market opening that consumers would expect, have, haven't have led to these companies being challenged or toppled. They would say that they had. They would say that it's easier than ever to enter the market. You just have to set up a website. But, you know, Amazon has grown, Google has grown, Facebook's grown. And so the Commission feels it needs a new set of tools, uh, a, a, re- a refreshed set of tools to take on this conduct. Well, Nicholas, uh, the EU's competition commissioner, Margrethe Vestager, is famous for uh, smacking around big tech, and she's been doing that quite effectively, uh, even with the powers that she has at her disposal. Uh, Does she need more powers? Does she require something else that she doesn't already have? Clearly, she thinks she she does. I think this sounds something like an admission of defeat, from, from the Commission that spent the last five years doubling down on big tech, or in particular, uh, Margaret Vestager. And um, now they realise, or now they're, they're being very clear that they need to step up 
the game and come up with sweeping new powers that are really, you know, of an altogether different order from what they had before. Okay, Nicholas, let's get down to the substance of it. It's been referred to as a three-pillar attack. Give me a quick outline of those uh, three pillars. Three barrels. Three barrels. It's, uh, <laughs> so the, I guess the, you know, the most hard-hitting uh, pillar, the heavy, most heavy-set pillar, <laughs> is a set of rules that are going to be targeted specifically at platforms and essentially tell them things that they, can't, they, they cannot do and things that they must do. So that's, that's known as the gatekeeper proposal. And it's going to be a blacklist of do's and don'ts for platforms. The second, which is perhaps the most interesting for antitrust wonks, is um, sort of sweeping new powers to look at conduct or basically go in, dive into markets and order companies to change contracts, stop behaving as they are, sell off small businesses, essentially impose remedies despite there being no a finding of you know illegal conduct, and then the third pillar holding it all up is a promise to ramp up enforcement even more than they were doing already, which uh, some people would find some people on the receiving end of Fesco's last five years might find hard to to believe. Well, Lewis, you are indeed an antitrust wonk. So let's start with that second pillar, the suggestion that an entire industry might be subject to investigations and to enforcement orders. I mean, that doesn't sound particularly revolutionary. What uh, kind of an impact might it have? Yeah, this is this is the big one. This power exists in other countries, the UK, South Africa. Uh, and there's a version of this power in, in, in Europe in Brussels. And that is, you can look at an entire industry, go sniffing around, for example, pharmaceuticals or retail banking or energy or airport ownership. And you say, there's something in here which doesn't, I don't like the look of the market. There might not be something blatantly illegal going on, no infringements, but there's something that's not quite right. Maybe the structure of it is set up that the market's not really budging. It's not really working for for consumers. Now, usually the commission would look at that and simply look over two years and write a report saying, we think there are some bad things going on here. We then have to launch separate inquiries to chase down each of these individual companies. The new power allows them to sniff around the market and then order them to make changes. This could be opening up markets, making data available, selling off uh, businesses. And this is uh, a really, really hardcore tool because you don't have to find that anyone's breaking the law. Now, the justification for it in the Commission's eyes is twofold. One, to allow them to move more quickly, because antitrust cases take a long time. These ones, this new tool could take 18 months to investigate and then a bit of time to to impose the remedies. And it could be used for markets which are being... Are succumbing to a digital revolution, so they change very, very quickly. Think taxi apps, and think booking online booking, and think food delivery, where the forces of digitalization come in very, very quickly, and there's a risk that the market tips into the hands of a single company. And the second instance is one where you've got a more structural problem. Over time, it's developed that the entire market for airlines or for um, search engines isn't really, really budging. And that's where the Commission could take a look. Just one final caveat on that is, again, the Commission is presenting this as part of a digital proposal. This is about the power of digital companies, as I said at the outset. But 
this law would allow them to look at any market. And you think of markets, the length and breadth of Europe, which are um, concentrated and aren't really budging. And you can think of auditing or, as I said, airport ownership or in some countries, uh, telecoms operators, where you've got a couple of operators and it's not really changing. Well, Nicholas, what's your take on that? This idea that although we're obviously talking about this in the context of big tech, that other companies, be it aviation, be it telecommunications, that they might in fact be as much a target of these uh, of these changes as big tech. Yeah, I, I mean, to borrow a term from the tech world, this strikes me as, as competition law 2.0. Because whereas in the past, the commission was, uh, it was stuck looking at either dominant companies or companies that have broken cartel laws. This gives it a remit to look at such a greater variety of situations. And whereas before it could only correct blatantly illegal conduct, in the future, it's going to be able to get get really deep into into the weeds and sort of analyse the different dynamics in markets. And it just seems like it's going to herald a new complexity in, in terms of enforcement. I think in particular, what they're looking at, what is going to be targeted by this are markets that are very concentrated. So in, in Europe, mobile, tele, mobile telephony, the airline sector, where you have just two airlines perhaps flying from one airport to, to, to another, uh, perhaps the growing use of uh, algorithms, because that's where you, have alg- where you have many companies using the same algorithms, you have a lot of uh, transparency, and perhaps you have a sort of, you know, a price parallelism that um, the enforcers won't feel comfortable with. All right, so much for the first uh, pillar. Let's talk about the second pillar, Nicholas, uh, the one that refers to uh, to so-called gatekeepers. What do we mean by gatekeepers in this context? Gatekeepers are platforms, but they're also, they are platforms that have, or companies that have their own ecosystem. So there are companies that live within the world that they've created. There's companies, consumers also, but companies that depend on that ecosystem and depend on that world that, say, Google or Apple have created. I mean, think of... And, and sorry, the, the gate that they are keeping is, in fact, the gate that would enable competitors to enter or to use their platforms, right? Exactly. And they're the ones that decide who can go in and who can go out and, and, and on what terms. And... The upshot of, I think, the last five years of, of debate around, around the tech platforms is a conclusion in, in the European Commission that gatekeepers or these platforms have responsibilities. They're not just responsible to their shareholders, but now they're responsible also to those companies that, that use them, that sell via their platforms, to consumers that have their data on their platforms, to, uh, or to citizens, to all manner of different people. And hence, this gatekeeper proposal is trying to crystallise some of that thinking. There's also mention of a blacklist of behaviours. What kind of behaviours would end up on that particular list? I think this essentially codifies some of the cases that have happened in the last in the last five five years. For example, it's expected to um, make it much more difficult to, for platforms to so-called self-preference. That is to say they plug their own services. So you, know, you go into Google and you say, I'd like to look for, I'd like to, like to buy a barbecue grill. And Google says, good idea. And here's one that we can help, you know, here's one that we're advertising. 
it could be Apple, which you, know, you go into the app store and you say that you want a music subscription service. And it says, we've got just, we've just, we've got just the one that you need. So it's expected to make that kind of self-promotion more difficult. Um, it's also expected to look at things known as best, best price clauses or in the technical jargon, um, MFN clauses, most favoured nation clauses, which is essentially platforms saying to the suppliers, you better not go off and give a better price to anyone else out there. Otherwise, you can't sell on our platform. And clearly that can be a problem where you, know, you have no option but to sell on the very powerful platform. Lewis, let's quickly talk about the third pillar, and that is talk of upgrading the EU's liability and safety rules as they apply to digital platforms. What's the thinking on that front? Yeah, there, I mean, these three pillars that we've talked about today um, are the ones driven sort of on a firm competition footing. They're about the, the big tech companies of the, uh, of the present and ensuring that the market's open for the future. The, it's part of a wider digital agenda, which includes other strands, uh, such as gig workers' rights. There's also um, a strand on liability rules. And this is essentially um, companies like Amazon, which host products on, on, their, on their site. If it's a dodgy product, who has the liability? Whose responsible, responsibility is it? To inform the company, to inform the consumer, to take down the product, and you can think of you know, lots of hosting websites who, such as YouTube. You know, if if someone puts a um, a dodgy video up on YouTube, whose responsibility is it to inform YouTube uh, to take it down? Uh, those kinds of rules, which have been traditionally very very difficult um, across the world to police, because you know the the platforms like to think of themselves as hosting third party content, third party products. And so, should they be responsible for what's on their what's on their website? Um, you know, there's, it's got corollaries with you know social networks, and if people put up hate speech, do they have an um, obligation to take it down? You can see this debate is rife across the world. Uh, Lewis, I, I need to watch my words uh, here because um, Nicholas is in fact a former lawyer. But is this really just going to uh, bring more billable hours to the legal community in Brussels? Will they be the ultimate beneficiaries of this or am I being too cynical? Uh, you're being very cynical and you're probably entirely correct, um, which is, this is a brand new, you know, going back to pillar two, uh, sorry for the jargon, going back to this market investigation tool. This is a brand new thing and a brand new thing creates, you know, two streams of work. One, the pros themselves and the new clients and the, and the new risk and everyone will need advising on that. And then the second strand is anything that's new in the legal domain gets litigated. It gets litigated hard for a long period of time until the rules become clear. You can you can think of, you know, it's a new kind of investigation and the rights of defence of the companies will have to be established. What's a decent period of time to be given to respond to questions? Are, is the commission allowed to seize documents from you under what um, pretext? Can you go to court? What part of the probe can you take to court? There will be lots and lots of litigation on these things in order to set the rules. That's entirely normal, and that is, and that should happen, and that has happened in the UK system, which is which is comparable. Um, and also, it has to be said, companies generally don't like this because it's investigation uh, without um, infringement, and so uh, they defend themselves hard because uh, they are worried about the reputational risk to themselves as being a, a question mark being cast over their 
of their industry. But secondly, you look at how some of these probes have gone in the UK. It has led to, for example, in airport ownership, someone having to sell Gatwick Airport. That is no small thing. And going to court to litigate um, some of the fineries of procedure is a small price to pay um, if that is the end game. And Nicholas, what will things look like five years down the road? It's going to be a much tougher world for the big tech platforms. You're going to have a hard-hitting gatekeeper regulation. You could conceivably even have a regulator enforcing those rules under one wing of, of, of the Commission's uh, thinking. You're going to have ramped up merger enforcement in the, in the tech sector. The Commission's just promised it's going to increase antitrust scrutiny. You're going to have this new market investigation pillar that will... Um, that will clean up any conduct that sort of falls outside outside that. So it could potentially look really nasty, assuming that the world stays as it is. It's not that hard to imagine a world where actually the problems in five, ten years' time because of digitalization are quite different to the ones they're, face, they're facing now. And the big tech giants of today kind of look like what MySpace does now to come back to what Lewis said. And on that terrifying prospect of all tech companies ending up like uh, MySpace, uh, that's where we'll have to leave it uh, for today. Nicholas and Lewis, it's been great fun. Let's talk again very, very soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lewis Crofts is MLEX's editor-in-chief. Nicholas Hurst is our chief correspondent for EU Competition, and they were talking to me from Brussels. We'll post a link to some of their recent stories at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. Just click on the Insight Centre tab. That's mlexmarketinsight.com. I'm James Panicki, Asia-Pacific Senior Editor. Thank you very much for your company. We'll be back in your feed next Friday with more of the very latest news from our team of reporters around the world. Thank you for listening. I'll see you soon. Bye for now. Bye for now.